0: Friends, welcome back to Midwretched.
1: Welcome back! Happy New Year,
0: indeed! Happy New Year. We hope that you are feeling rejuvenated and hopeful and festive. And my computer wants to restart. I'm going to tell it no.
1: No, please.
0: It wants to rejuvenate.
1: We are recording this on the first day of 2023.
0: Madness! madness. That's crazy. Madness. I really madness.
1: I feel like I've told you this
0: before that, like, when I was a little kid, the year 2000 seemed so impossible that I did not think, like, I literally did not think I would be alive for the year 2000 because it just seemed so, like, improbable and, like, Jetsons y, even You're though really I was 12. Oh, 12. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, when the ball dropped on New Year's Eve 2000, I was 11 years old, but for some reason, I just really did not think and so here we are 2023
1: i I like to live in this little fantasy world where the like world actually stopped turning in 2012 Mm. and then just everything else has just been a lie and that kind of feels pretty accurate to my experience
0: (laughs) i mean that would be fulfillment of some prophecy right so
1: exactly exactly we're in a new timeline since 2012 um and that's probably the only way that i can explain what has happened in this life
0: yeah that makes sense That makes sense for you. I'm with it. Well, welcome to our conspiratorial asses. I am Tommy.
1: I am Mick. Happy New Year. Happy happy New New Timeline.
0: Yes. I also really hope that 2023, um, kind of like 2022, brings a lot of resolution to some longstanding unsolved cases. We've seen so much movement on genetic genealogy and like identification of does and... um, just lots of things that I think we didn't think would ever get solved solved in 2022. So that is one thing I really really hope just kicks itself up into high gear in 2023.
1: That is super cool. For Christmas I got my sister the ancestry kit. Oh, and you did. told her when she uploads it to JetMatch to let me know if she finds anything related to anybody. Mm. So I'm very excited about that. That'll be cool. That'll be cool. I should do it for myself too, but, you know.
0: Yeah I mean if one of you does it like my brother wants to buy one too and I'm like I mean I already did it like
1: <laughs> I <laughs> but... mean you'll have like you'll have like small differences like in differences, your DNA yeah yeah, yeah yeah now if you did it with your youngest daughter there wouldn't be because you cloned her in a lab yes exactly
0: <laughs> Copy exactly. <laughs> paste oh she's so cute She's getting her little. She got like this, like fuzzy, curly hair. She looks like a little cockatoo all the time. It's so cute. She has a little curl hawk.
1: It's really cute, guys. She does. (laughs) She
0: does. Uh, What else was I gonna say? Yeah, I am like really excited about some of these, especially like boy in the box. I did not think we would ever see a resolution. Oh my god! Right. I was like floored by that, and so I just like I feel really hopeful about some of these, especially these Doe cases where, you know the the clincher is just technology right Mm -hmm. and like it's
1: finally here so getting a good DNA match and getting everything actually like tested and out there and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly so keep doing
0: those ancestry.coms those 23andmes and those jed matches because you never know who
1: you could be helping exactly we're not sponsored but you know hey 23andme
0: yeah if you want to like we're here (laughs) I can tell you all kinds of fucked up things I've learned about my family, courtesy of (laughs) Ancestry.com. God. Yeah, I have it all. I have it all. Secret siblings, secret cousins, secret every... I got it all. I got it all. Oh,
1: well. Yay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Anyway, okay, that's a lot. So uh, why don't you tell us about uh, what we're going to be talking about today?
1: All right. Uh, so today, we're going to be this is going to be a little bit of a weird case, in part because Chicago sucks when it comes to crime reporting. So we're going to be in the Chicago and <clears throat> South Chicago areas today talking about the fact that did y'all know that you had a serial killer on your streets? Hmm. Hmm. We've talked about a possible serial killer in Chicago. I want to say it was almost a year and a half, two years ago now. And guess what? That was a different one than the one we're going to talk about today. Hmm. This case broke in 2010, but it was just very recently in October of 2022 that we got confirmation and we got a conviction that really was not in the news as much as i would think that it would be tommy did you hear about a serial killer being convicted in chicago
0: yes but i'm a nerd because of so me <laughs> probably because of you yeah well cuz i i can i don't know the story though that's the thing that bothers me about it is like i know i know that there was an arrest like this i know i remember it from the fall mm-hmm. i can see the guy's mugshot in my head mm-hmm. i think what bothers me about it is that I don't know the story. You don't know the story. You don't know the victims. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. in so many, like, serial cases, you do get to know these, you know, like, the media does a good enough job, like, getting to know these victims that you do, you know. You can name recognize, like, not just serial killers, but their victims as well. And and for this one, like, I, I can't scare up those names at all, and that bothers me.
1: And it there really wasn't much reporting on this. Um, there was some when the cases broke, when the girls went missing. But unfortunately, there wasn't too much in the headlines about who these girls were after he was convicted. It was kind of, to me, it felt very kind of pushed under the rug. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into it. And we're going to kind of talk about what happened, who these people are, and if there's anything else possibly out there that people might be able to help get information about all right let's get into it <laughs> all right so like i said today we're going to be in chicago and south Chicago chicagoland um, so we're going to do a quick chicago geography lesson mm. some of the neighborhoods that we're going to visit today are very much like gary indiana mm. they are old industrial towns
0: a little Gary carryover.
1: <laughs> Very much Gary carryover.
0: I love it. I'll be driving through all of these tomorrow on my
1: way to hang out with you. You are, because I think that you drive directly through Harvey. I do drive directly through Harvey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like I said, we're going to cover several kind of Southern Chicago neighborhoods and suburbs. There are parts of Chicago that are kind of much more blighted or depressed than others. And some of these are those towns. Mm -hmm. Because very much like we talked about, Gary, last week, some of these were really heavily tied to very specific industries that have since left and have kind of picked up the economy and taken it with it and just because in general chicago is an incredibly segregated city oh my um God. <laughs> like i think the most segregated city in the country it's got to be up there and that means that there is there are certain parts of chicago that are incredibly you know prosperous and well funded that there is a large police presence that feel very safe and mm-hmm. then there are other parts that are simply not There's not a lot of funding there. There's not a lot of infrastructure. Infrastructure. There's not a lot of a sense of safety there. Mm -hmm. And one of those suburbs is Harvey. If you have Mm. ever driven into Chicago from Indiana or Ohio or any of that, you have driven through Harvey. Harvey is a small suburb of only about 20,000 people. Mm. And to give you an idea, the median family income in Harvey is about 32,000. So that's a median family income, Mm -hmm. meaning pretty much well below the poverty line. Yeah. Another one of the neighborhoods that we're going to be in is actually in Chicago, South Deering. Mm Mm-hmm. South Deering was heavily funded by the Wisconsin Steel and Train Route, so that would kind of pass through directly through Wisconsin and going south. It is also home to Calumet Fisheries, which was featured on No Reservations. Yes, it was! (laughs) It is on me and my husband's list of places to visit in Chicago Mm. to go eat.
0: Can I can I just toss out kind of a figure for that? I think will kind of help in some of these comparisons. I think when we talk mm-hmm. about like median income, those things can be really um, kind of obscure feeling sometimes. So I just wanted to look up real quick like what the national median household income is. Uh, and in 2021, it was about seventy thousand seven hundred and eighty four dollars. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about Harvey, we're talking about a, a median household income that is less than half
1: of the national average household income. Yeah. Okay, so 71000 is the median family income in the U.S. In Harvey, it's 32000 mm-hmm. Um, And in South Deering, Chicago, it is 35000
0: Wow,
1: yeah. So again, these are pretty depressed, pretty blighted areas. There's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of jobs. There's not a lot of opportunities in a lot of these neighborhoods. In South Deering, it is in Chicago, but it is not very central to any of the cta or anything like that so mm. we're talking very much on the border of illinois and indiana mm-hmm. like the southernmost parts of chicago harvey borders chicago on the north mm-hmm. and then the last neighborhood that we're going to talk about is blue island Blue Island is not an island.
0: <laughs> it is not. I
1: looked up why, and it's a very long geographical explanation mm. as to why it's called Blue Island that I won't exhaust you with. Um, but Blue Island is a little bit more of a kind of middle-class neighborhood. It has a median family income of 58000 So mm. we're getting a little bit up there. It's also just kind of known for being a little bit cuter of a town. It's got some little shops. It's got cute little downtown areas. It's known for its delis and restaurants and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Blue Island, again, kind of right on the border of Chicago. So we are kind of the lowest point of Chicago that you can be in and then the suburbs that kind of hit that lowest point. Right all of these cities are within cook county however Mm. cook county is massive it houses everything from the border of indiana all the way up to like wilmette and northbrook and those ones that are starting to get toward the wisconsin border it's huge Cook county's gigantic Second most populous county
0: in the entire United States. Yeah. With probably. a population of 5.173 million people.
1: And of course, because you have that, Cook County and Cook County resources are divided amongst all of that. And you have a great diversity of neighborhoods and resources and things like that from the fancy pants neighborhoods up north to these kind of very southernmost areas. Yeah. So that is kind of where we are. We're in these very kind of like post-industrial little towns, very working class, lower income kind of households and neighborhoods. And we're going to start off here on August 2nd, 2009. Kiara Windham is relaxing outside of her home in Harvey, Illinois. Kiara was an 18-year-old girl. She lived with her mom and was working on finishing up her GED was hoping to finish up her ged to go into nursing school she had been inspired by her older sister who went into nursing and was thinking hey this might be a good way to kind of keep moving on with my life and maybe get a good job which in chicago it is because we have a million hospitals and medical centers yeah. that evening in august her mother helena asked Kiara to order a pizza for the dinner However, Helena wasn't feeling very well that night. She wanted to go lay down. So she asked Kiara to go order a pizza and just kind of save me some for later. So Kiara did as she was told, but was otherwise kind of busy chatting on her phone. I just kind of imagined her mom's trying to get her attention. Hey, can you order a pizza for us for dinner? And Kiara's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 kind of waving Mm -hmm. her bye (laughs) and kind of goes back to chatting on her phone the way that she had kind of been doing pretty much all day when her mother helena woke up from her rest she walks out into the living room she finds that the pizza had been delivered um had been ordered and delivered as she had asked and it sat there uneaten untouched and her daughter was gone Hmm. since carol was 18 her mother didn't stress too much immediately you know thinking she probably went out with her friends she's probably going doing whatever she's 18 she's gonna do what she does yeah But it wasn't long before she would face the most terrifying news that any parent could face. Just the next morning on August third, two 2009, Kiara's body would be found in an alleyway in southeast Chicago. She was found clothed, but with her underwear and shoes missing. It would be determined that the cause of death was strangulation, and there was evidence that she had been raped. Ugh. How far was the—where she was found from her home? Not far at all. A couple of miles.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: Fast forward to just a few weeks later, August 26th, 2009, Kamika Coleman sits in her home in the South Deering neighborhood of Chicago chatting on her phone. South Deering is about 20 minutes from Harvey. Kamika was also 18 years old. She was just starting her senior year of high school at a local alternative school. Kamika's mother had come into the house after a long shift at work. Now, Kamika and her mother Kimberly had had a lot of conversations previously about Kamika's phone use. Hmm. Specifically, Kamika's use of a single's chat line, talking to men that she didn't know. Her mom was really concerned about the men that she was talking to and how she was using the line. She didn't think that it was safe. Now, Kamika didn't see any reason to worry, but her mother warned her not to talk to to these men not to meet up with them and to be mindful and be cautious about who she's talking to. But like many teenagers, Kamika kind of brushed it off like it was no big deal. Mm-hmm. When Kamika sees her mom home, she moves out to the front porch for privacy to continue her conversation. Kimberly heads in the house. I imagine kind of doing that after work kind of decompression. All right, what's in the fridge? What do we got to do?
0: hmm
1: Because shortly after she heads in the house, puts down her things, she turns back and goes out to the porch to ask Kamika if she could run to the store to grab them some milk. But by the time she even gets back outside to check on Kamika, Kamika's gone from the porch.
0: Hmm.
1: Kamika would not be seen alive again after that. Her body was found August 28th in an alleyway in nearby Blue Island, Illinois. Clothed, but with underwear and shoes missing. Her cause of death would be determined to be strangulation, with evidence, too, that she had been raped.
0: Mm.
1: Now, in most places, nearly identical disappearances of nearly identical girls less than 10 miles apart would set off massive alarm bells, right? Mm, You'd think. But we we... know that we're in Cook County, so... (laughs) Exactly. Now, I want to make sure that we're discussing differently... The citizens and the families' conversations and the police Mm -hmm. and the official conversations. Because the local neighborhoods were very aware of these disappearances. Mm -hmm. They talked and they gossiped and they kind of, you know, you trade stories. I mean, because these towns are so close to each other, you're talking about South Chicago and Harvey, you share a lot of the same roads, grocery stores, and resources. You probably mm-hmm. run into some of the same people. So neighbors were very aware of what was getting, what was going on, and they were getting scared. Local police did investigate. Um, so one thing, so there are the town police, and there are the Cook County sheriffs. Mm-hmm. The Cook County sheriffs are very much involved in a lot of these investigations because there's so many small towns in the larger. City, mm-hmm. but initially all investigations are handled by the local police departments. So, in both cases, the local police did investigate. They tracked down the girl's phone records, they interviewed the most recent people that they had spoken to on the phone. But after those initial interviews, the cases didn't seem to go anywhere. And for a while, there were no continued disappearances or murders fit- fitting this profile. Mm. for almost a year until july 2010 mariah edwards was a 17 year old girl who lived in blue island illinois she was a talented artist and an aspiring rapper she was described by her brother as real playful a girl that liked to dress up love to cook and love to be the life of the party whether that was through singing, through cooking and feeding people, or just making people laugh, like her, her brother kind of has talked quite a bit about her. Kamika and Kiara's mothers have both spoken publicly, but they—they, they, I think they spoke much more from a place of grief, yeah. um, and kind of anger, which I fully understand. Right, what well, we'll get into. So Mariah and her family lived in an apartment complex in Blue Island. Like I said, that's that suburb of Chicago, literally just south, like the southern border of Chicago. That day in July, a neighbor that lived in the block apartments just across the street from Mariah had invited her over. We don't know if Mariah went over there enthusiastically, if she went over there willingly, if she went over reluctantly. Mm. But Mariah would not return home after she left that ap- after she left for that apartment.
0: Do we have any idea how that person contacted her? He was a neighbor. Yeah. So, like, did he like physically approach her and say, we don't know. You want to come over?" Okay.
1: We don't know. I don't even know if she actually knew him, or if she was close to him, or anything. I just noticed. I don't know if it's purposeful or
0: not. Just the the pattern that the the two previous girls had been spending a lot of time on their phones.
1: That day. a lot of time on their phone. Yeah hmm that was not the case with mariah okay in mariah's case it would appear that this was kind of a direct contact mm. um and all that we know is like i said mariah would not return home after she left for the apartment her body would never be discovered and her family would wait years for any answers about her disappearance wow so has she still not been found Her body has – well, this is a spoiler, but um, Mm -hmm. her body has still never been discovered. She is still – it's one of those weird cases where she's considered both missing and an identified victim.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So officially she's still missing, but many, many people – and we'll get into why. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Are you taking notes? I'm doodling because I'm anxious. Oh, okay. Yeah. Weeks would go by as the families of Mariah, Kimika, and Kiara – would plead and pray for answers that the police departments of chicago and blue island would not be able to give them now in the past we've talked about disappearances and murders of young black girls in chicago and how it's very likely that they don't go investigated and they very rarely go solved in a report from 2022 so this is their most recent report from the chicago police department um reported that they had cleared 50 percent of their murder cases So that's 400 of 797 murder cases in the year 2021 to 2022. Now, that might seem low, but it's definitely a big increase from the last time we cited homicide clearance rates from Chicago, which was 2017 when they were at 26%. Ah, yeah. (laughs) True. Okay. If you want, go check out our episode on the um, serial killer in Chicago And we talk a lot more about Chicago homicide clearance rates compared to other major Mm -hmm. cities. And we are awful.
0: Now, weren't we in Blue Island for parts of that episode as well? I feel like I remember that. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly.
1: Blue Island is almost like surrounded by Chicago. It's weird. Yeah, it's just,
0: it's so centrally located too. Like it's just right,
1: plopped right there. (laughs) So do you know it used to be named Portland? anyway weird yeah (laughs) um no like I said uh 2022 murder clearance rates were at 50 percent and while that seems like a big jump that might be good news that 50 percent number has been highly criticized Mm -hmm. because notice how I said cleared not solved or closed yeah so what does cleared mean when I talk about a murder investigation a subject is cleared essentially means a subject is charged in the killing and the ca- the murder will remain cleared regardless of how the suspect's criminal case is adjudicated Ugh. so as long as there is an arrest and a charge that means that the case is cleared mm at least according to Chicago. I don't know yeah. if this is true of all cases. I was only looking up. These um, are primarily stories from NPR and from the local university's um, criminal justice research labs. Mm-hmm.
0: No, I'm pretty sure it is because at that point, you know, the lo- it's frustrating. But the logic, of course, being that like from a police perspective, mm-hmm. that case is cleared. Yes. And then it goes into, you know, being a part of the judicial system, which does not, you know, then... <laughs> Talk back to criminal justice after it, you know,
1: after the wheels of justice do their thing or don't do their thing. Or don't do their thing. Because in many cases, police only need to present evidence to prosecutors. And even if those prosecutors decline to bring charges forward, it will still be considered cleared, but it will be considered a, quote, bar to prosecute clearance. Mm -hmm. Yep. So once it's, like, no longer considered to be a police matter is
0: when they consider it to be cleared.
1: Yeah. So again, like you can arrest somebody, have charges against them, they go free because they got the wrong person or whatever, and that murder is considered clear. So for example, the Delphi killings could be considered cleared. <laughs> my pencil in anguish. I didn't mean to trigger you, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um also And this will become important here in a minute. If a suspect dies, so police charge and bring in a suspect. If that suspect dies, it is cleared under the name death of offender clearance. Mm. So like I said, 400 of 797 murders in Chicago were considered cleared. 199 of those 400 cleared cases were cleared with no one charged. Mm. so we're going to bring that down to like 25 percent of cases being appropriately cleared or closed i'm going to read this quick quote about the closures um before 2022 and this is from a wgn investigates cpd records obtained and reviewed by wgn investigates show that between 2013 and 2021 cpd detectives cleared 2,068 murder cases so that's between 2013 and 2021 of those nearly 10 percent 202 cases were cleared via death of offender in that span of time chicago recorded more than 5,400 murders so one in seven of those cases closed were over 10 years old again convenient reporters um kind of critics of this new 50% clearance rate have also pointed to the large racial disparity in closed cases. An NPR investigation from 2019 found that 47% of solved homicides were of white victims, 33% of Hispanic victims and 22% of black victims cases were solved. Hmm. Now we could really really dig into the many many factors that contribute to this. Um <sighs> That could be a really fun episode
0: yes. Um.
1: that would require digging into decades or shit hit like centuries of history. But suffice it to say for this moment that it has a lot to do with issues on both sides, but I'm going to put the onus on police because they're the responsible parties. Lack of trust in police, poor community relations, and fear of both police and gangs, perpetrators kind of all rolled up into one. Mm-hmm. Going back to the rise of gangs in Chicago is primarily came about because of fear of the police and lack mm-hmm. of protection.
0: The history there is in like kind of homegrown vigilante, like community policing. Right?
1: Exactly. And not to say that gangs aren't a legitimate threat in Chicago. They are in some areas, but not the way mm-hmm. that the mainstream media would have you believe. Mm-hmm. Um, we really need to do an episode on gangs.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That would just make me so titillated. <laughs> I love I love gangs.
1: Now, those issues play a role as well as the known lack of detectives in Chicago and the many, many political issues that impact the CPD that, again, I could do a freaking dissertation on.
0: <laughs> um,
1: there are issues with police brutality. There are issues with a lack of detectives. There's issues with how they divide up police forces amongst the different districts of Chicago in the different areas. I'm not gonna get into that because this is about three girls trying to get three girls' families trying to get justice. Because it is the families of victims that end up getting caught up in these politics and get further victimized by the system. Mm-hmm. Many of these families were desperate to get answers to what happened to these girls. They were young, they were hopeful, they all had plans and dreams for the future, and they all had families that desperately cared for them none of these girls could you give the excuse that they were transient that they were high risk that they were any of this stuff Mm -hmm. they lived with their families they were taken care of they were loved they were all in school or finishing school or doing something to make a future for themselves Mm -hmm. they were teenage girls Now, police would finally get some movement on the case in August of 2010, so just a few months after Mariah Edwards disappeared, um, and almost exactly a year after the first murder. Hmm. When a young girl would come forward accusing a then 27-year-old man named Sonny Pierce of raping her, she would come forward saying that when she was just 15 years old, the 27-year-old Sonny Pierce lured her into his car and took her to his house where he sexually assaulted and raped her. This girl would remain anonymous throughout all of the press coverage and in the courts due to her age at the time of the assault. According to a write-up on the case from MissingIllinois.org, this girl would admit later. So she first told her family and then in her initial report to the police that she was lured into the car. But according to a write-up in MissingIllinois.org, she would later come forward and say, okay, I wasn't lured into the car. I was at a party. I was at my 14th birthday party at somebody else's house. Not that it matters, but she admitted that she and others were smoking marijuana, which was likely why she was dishonest the first time. She was afraid she was going to get into more trouble from her parents. Yeah. Um, She said that this man had barged in on her in the bathroom and sexually assaulted her by grabbing her breasts at that moment she initially managed to get away but he continued to watch her and stalk her at the party and two hours later he would manage to get her into a separate room and rape her when she tried to scream for help he grabbed a towel and wrapped it around her mouth and he told her that if she told anyone he would kill her although she would remain afraid for a long time after that event she eventually came forward to tell her parents, who would help her file a, re- a police report on the man, Sonny Pierce. Police began their initial investigation into Sonny uh, with the information that they were able to get from this minor rape victim. I want to say that they finally got a break in the case. Um, I don't know. This this case is annoying. Because had yeah. this girl not come forward, and had she not had the bravery to come forward, none of this would have happened. Yeah. Like this was not successful police investigation. This was a little girl's bravery mm-hmm. that got this moving forward. Yeah. After this girl b- makes the charges, police interview Sonny Pierce. He obviously denies the initial investigation. But during but because of the investigation, because of the ch- of the accusations, they were able to pull some records. They were able to pull some phone records. And phone records would reveal more than 20 phone calls between Sunny Pierce and Kiara Wyndham on the day she disappeared. Ah, they found similar phone calls between him and Kamika Coleman. Hmm. Now, surprise, surprise! This was actually not the first time Sunny Pierce had been interviewed by police. Mm. He was actually questioned on the day police found Kimberly Coleman's body. Hmm. Because they had checked her phone records then. They saw that he had already spoken to her. They already had this man in their sights with reason to believe he had something to do with the disappearance. Did they get that off of her phone records initially? This is a lot of speculation because the reporting on this was so crappy. I don't know how they got her phone records. I imagine her mom handed them over.
0: Well, you don't have to, like, subpoena a victim's records. Like, mm-hmm. there's you don't have to do any of that that's just all part of like investigative discovery so yeah yeah i mean it would have been smart to get it
1: and they wouldn't have had obstacles to get it so they had her phone records then they knew that she had already made these phone calls to him then they interviewed him then and they did not go forward with any charges or any further investigation against him in that prior year after connecting him to kamika Coleman. Mm. So no additional investigation, it appears, was made at that time, but it does appear that it at least made him lay low for a little bit. With the information from the phone records and the testimony of the surviving victim, they would get a search warrant to search Sonny Pierce's house. Where does he live? In Blue Island. Mm. He lived across the street from Mariah Edwards. Oh, wow. Yes. And when they searched his house, they would find the most graphic video evidence of Sonny Pierce raping Mariah Edwards. It would appear that he was raping her in front of other men. Oh, my God. And later evidence of the video, it would appear that Sonny Pierce was raping Edwards' lifeless body. Oh. Pretty damning evidence. Yeah. So at this point, the pattern of acts was clear. Sonny Pierce preyed on teen girls— luring them into his home and violently raping them before killing them and dumping their bodies in alleyways. Blue Island Police and Cook County Police and Cook County officials reached out to the community seeking any additional information at this time. An April 2011 announcement was made saying that they were looking for anyone with any information, including additional possible possible victims alive or missing.
0: Well, how definitive was it on these videos, that there were other men in the, like, there.
1: So Sonny would actually admit that he abducted Mariah to rape her in front of other men.
0: So who the fuck are these other men? And why are they not also convicted in these cases?
1: Wonderful question. I'm glad you asked, because I have no fucking answers to it. That's disgusting. I'm going to keep on going, and we're going to we're going to jump back to that question uh, okay so Sonny was arrested on august 27th 2010 in a police interview he admitted abducting mariah edwards physically assaulting and raping her in front of a group of men before beating her to death he would refuse to tell police where he left her body a mystery that remains today the body of mariah edwards has never been found mm. There are reports, if you look up her missing persons um, poster, it will say that there was a sighting of her in September of 2010, which was, is very unlikely because Sonny was arrested on August 27th and he admitted to raping and beating her before that. Mm. So I don't know if that was a, a sighting by another person or what had happened there. Pierce would initially admit to the murders of Kamika and Kiara, but would eventually change his story, saying, quote, The only thing I'm guilty of is having consensual sex with too many women. I never oh. killed anyone, choked anyone, stabbed anyone, shot anyone. I never did nothing. I'm innocent. However, police were eventually able to get a DNA match from Kiara Wyndham's body, which was immediately matched to Sonny Pierce. So. Hmm yeah so this brings us to the question of who the fuck is sonny pierce yeah the truth is we don't know much he was a resident of blue island where he lived in a low-rise apartment on vincennes avenue right Mm. across the street from mariah edwards and right next door to his mother sonny pierce lived Mm. next door to his mother really only two months before his attack on the 15 year old girl Sonny was questioned in the choking death of his girlfriend's 17-month-old baby, Jordan. Whoa. The infant had supposedly had diabetes, and when it cried and reached out to Pierce, he said he ignored it, thinking that it just wanted attention. Supposedly, as Sonny's mother's story goes, Sonny's mother reported that she heard loud noises coming from his, his apartment and ran over. She told DCFS investigators that when she got into the apartment, she found Sonny trying to resuscitate the, the infant. Sonny denies having anything to do with the baby's death, other than ignoring it when it cried for attention. Ugh. DCFS thought this was a little questionable, in part because Jordan had already once suffered a broken leg while under Pierce's supervision. Hmm. Pierce had claimed that this um, that the infant caught its leg while trying to climb out of a playpen, and that's how it broke its leg. Wow, no. Well, his mother claimed that the infant had been, quote, mauled by a dog. What the fuck? So... We have two incidences. One of an infant broken leg. Infant bones don't break easily. I don't know if you know this. They're basically made out of gelatin. Do do
0: I know this? Yeah. (laughs) Not you. I'm talking about our listeners. (laughs) Baby
1: bones are really hard to break.
0: No, my infant is basically always doing some version of the splits Mm -hmm. because they're made out of gelatin.
1: Yeah. They literally are. Yeah. Baby bones have not fully solidified, so to break them you have mm-hmm. to you have to try hard
0: i've heard it before compared to like you know like the texture of bones like a um and like a chicken carcass or like a mm-hmm. roast chicken or a roast turkey where it's kind of like um really flexible from cooking and moisture and things like that mm-hmm. i've heard it
1: yeah so we have one incident where he is Suspected of being involved in a broken bone of this 17-month-old infant, DCFS, and and then in the death of the 17-month-old infant. In the end, the medical examiner on baby Jordan's case, um, who completed the autopsy, said that the manner and cause of death were inconclusive, and DCFS reported no evidence of neglect on Pierce's part, and no charges were filed. In case you haven't been convinced enough that this man is a monster. Mm -hmm. We don't know much about Sonny Pierce's social life. It does not appear that he was in any way a recluse or socially rejected. After his arrest, several friends and acquaintances came forward defending him. More recent news would indicate that they have either been convinced or they just don't want to give their names and they don't want to come forward. Mm. There were a couple of people interviewed immediately after his arrest in, um, like, Suntime stories and things like that, saying there's no way he did this, we don't believe this.
0: He's one of these ones where you look at him and you look at a picture of him and he's, like, just a very normal-looking guy.
1: Oh, he looks like every other guy on the street.
0: Mm-hmm. Just a very normal-looking guy. Not the type of guy that you'd, like, look at him and think, like,
1: uh... Something up with you, buddy. When we talked about, oh God, the Cleveland Strangler. Sowell. Sowell. When we talked about Anthony Sowell, he looks terrifying. Mm hmm. When we talk about like Jeffrey Dahmer, he looks terrifying. Sonny Pierce looks like literally any other guy on the street. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, his friends apparently were really surprised by this. They all, in those initial interviews, said, we don't believe this. There's no way. I just talked to him that night. You know, we were just made plans to go get drinks or we had just made plans to go get dinner. No, he was home that night. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. Um, His mother defended him vigorously. Like I said, he lived next door to his mother, Esther Pierce Pearson who was the one who also made a lot of excuses in baby Jordan's death Mm. and stood by his side during the entire investigations of Mariah, Kimika, and Kiara. In 2011, she made a statement to ABC News saying, quote, he's the child of my womb. I think I would know if my child was a murderer. He kept telling me he's innocent. What is a mother to do if your child says, mom, I never murdered anybody. I'm a mother. What can I do? Oh, this gives me a headache. You're a mother. What do you do? You
0: look at the evidence that damns your child, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I know it's hard, but it's also, like, it's very frustrating to me to hear, like, friends coming forward to defend him when we also know that he was raping teenage girls in front of other people. In front
1: of other men.
0: When we hear that, like, oh, people are coming out and saying he was, like, a totally normal guy, it's, I mean, my brain says, like it's because him being this predator also implicates you because Mm -hmm. were you one of those men that was there and aware of what was going on here?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because let's look at the case. What do we have? We have DNA evidence. We have phone records. We have videotape evidence. And we have a surviving victim. Mm -hmm. Cases don't get more clear cut than that. No, that's a slam dunk. You have videotape of him raping what appears to be a deceased Girl, mm-hmm. that's terrifying, yeah. So, I want to talk about actually kind of what really caught my attention in this case. So, Sonny was arrested in August of 2010. If I told you when he finally got his court date and his sentencing, when do you think that might have occurred? If we hadn't started this episode by talking about yeah, it, like I already know the
0: answer, <laughs> but. Like, I mean, even thinking about backed-up systems in large cities, you would say, like, three years would be a a long time.
1: Yeah. Twelve years. Yeah. Twelve years on that slam-dunk evidence against a serial rapist and serial killer. He sat in Cook County Jail for more than twelve years, all the while families are calling trying to get information and answers about what happened to their daughters – what and what was going to happen to the man that took the lives of their daughters. So at what stage did it get stalled? Immediately. Like, okay. So like, was there even an indictment at that point? So there was an indictment. He initially, so there were the indictment on the charges of rape against the 15-year-old girl. Because they they had the DNA evidence connecting him to Kiara, they had indictments on that. To be honest, and again, there's no reporting on this, because who the fuck is going to report on (laughs) this? Mm -hmm. It's literally just a backlog. That's all it is. You can only report on a backlog for so long before a story loses steam. Mm -hmm. He sat in jail for 12 years, and all the families got were, the case has been stayed, the case has been stayed, here's the next court date, here's the next court date. Oh, we'll check in in a month. And that was literally all it was. More than five years would pass just to ensure that he was competent to stand trial. So five years just waiting on competency hearings. Wow. And another seven would pass while he sat in Cook County. In October 2022, he finally had his day in court where he pled guilty to the murder of Kiara Wyndham, and Mm -hmm. the rape of a minor. In August 2022, he would finally plead guilty of the murders of Kiara Windham and the rape of the minor girl. All other charges, including the murders of Kamika Coleman and Mariah Edwards, were completely dropped. Hmm. Mariah Edwards is still considered missing because her body has never been recovered. However, because of the videotaped evidence found, it is strongly believed that she was a victim of Sonny Pierce. Yeah. Pierce was sentenced to 30 years in prison with a projected parole date, yes, a parole date, Hmm. of June 22nd, 2057. Interesting. He is currently 39 years old, and it is very possible that by the time he is 65, he will be released back into the community.
0: Oh, I hate that. You can still do a lot of damage in 65.
1: Yep. Yeah. Because Sonny Pierce pled guilty, he was never required to make a full admission of what happened. Mm. He was never forced to face the families. He was never forced to turn over evidence over what he had done and give us a full story of who he is or what he did to those girls. And that that also just feels like such an investigative mistake because
0: you have a girl that you know is dead,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: most likely, and for whatever reason, her body wasn't recovered, even though the other ones were in, in such, like, easily recoverable places. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the kind of thing you use as leverage, right? Like, give us the location of this, and we'll cut you that, right?
1: Yep, yep. Um, for what it's worth, like I said, Mariah's body has never been recovered. Um, when she was last seen, she was 5 feet 2 inches tall, 100 pounds. She was last seen wearing a black sports bra, and that was in the summer of 2010. Mm -hmm. Anyone with information is still encouraged to contact the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, 773-674-5499. Or the Blue Island Police Department at 708-396-7020. And that's if you have information on Mariah Edwards or any other possible victims of Sonny Pierce. Hmm. To me, looking at the series of events, it represents a very, very clear escalation. Definitely. He's getting closer and closer to home. He's assaulting... Girls that have that are at lower and lower risk, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, literally a girl right across the street from him. Yeah, yeah. Um. So again, if there are any other victims out there, they're still encouraged to come forward. I am upset that the police department and the justice department in Cook County allowed this to happen without further Mm -hmm. investigation and without forcing him to make a statement. Because it lifts us with so many questions and fears that there may be more victims out there, alive or murdered, and the families that would never have answers.
0: I'm curious about how this lines up with some of the cases we talked about in the Is There an Active Serial Killer in Chicago episode.
1: I looked up all three of these girls, and um, none of them were on that list. Mm. Yeah, I, I was really curious about that. But I think it just kind of reflects that There is a danger out there that's not Mm -hmm. being addressed. These families and these girls are still really highly at risk that these are two completely unrelated cases. We talked about, what, like 40, 50-some murder cases of women in Chicago on our last episode about this. And these are three girls that are not even on that list. Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, I think we want to believe that, like, the age of the serial killer is over. But
0: it's never been over. It's just that it's shifted. It's shifted. That's all.
1: People say like, "Oh, it's so hard to be a serial killer because we have all this tracking and this, that, and the other." Like, if this is not evidence of like, it is still incredibly possible. Mm -hmm. And he was doing this. It's not like it's it's not like he was some criminal genius, you know? Yeah, he was preying on girls that were on these chat lines and then he got braver and braver to prey on girls closer and closer to his home exactly um exactly i was really curious about that 12 years between pierce's arrest and when he finally pled guilty mm-hmm. um and i wanted to dig into that a little, a little bit more just because i needed to understand is that normal because that can't be fucking normal mm. so i wanted to see how common this was sunny state cook county jail awaiting trial was definitely one of the longest. He was one of two people held in that jail for over a decade. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, jail and prison are two different systems. Mm -hmm. Jail is supposed to be temporary. It's supposed to essentially be a holding place for where you stay during trial, during investigation, whatever. Mm -hmm. Prison is where it is supposed to be the permanent holding place
0: yes where you are actually you are sentenced to prison you are held in jail you are sentenced to prison exactly
1: however so he was held in jail for well over a decade now there were over 500 people held in cook county jail for three years or more mm. and 130 who had been awaiting who had been held in jail for five years or more most of them awaiting trial for murder charges While you are in jail, you have access to a different set of privileges. Mm -hmm. You are, for one, for many of these people, you are closer to home. You have more access to visitations from family members. You have more access to visits to your lawyer, all of that kind of stuff. There are a couple of reasons why people stay in jail for so long because i remember i had texted you about this and you had said one of the things that you had thought of was like that's a good case for violating his right to due process into a speedy it's a trial Sixth amendment issue yeah it's a Sixth mm-hmm. amendment issue however it appears that uh there's not much of a push from prisoners in cook county to move forward with cases mm-hmm. a criminology professor from loyola chicago david olson expressed that um so in illinois the minimum sentence for murder is 20 years but most convicts get at least 40 years which is basically a life sentence for murder Mm -hmm. because of this combined with our overworked and underfunded public defenders the accused are in no hurry whatsoever to move forward with trial and the public defenders aren't in any hurry to move forward with trial yeah going to trial and facing either pleading guilty or receiving a guilty verdict would mean being moved from Cook County, the local jail, in the Lawndale neighborhood, which is a pretty central neighborhood in Chicago. Ah, oh, that's true. Yeah. So you're basically in the center of Chicago. hmm <laughs> To a larger prison downstate, well away from your family and resources. Mm-hmm. So not only are you able to have more time um, closer to family, more visitations and things like that many are actually just sitting there hoping that their cases against them are, will weaken with time. They're hoping that witnesses will back out or be intimidated mm. and that victims will drop charges, evidence will be lost, interest in their case will wane, and it will essentially just be dropped. Mm. Which leads back into these cases will be cleared, and a murderer could be back out on the street. Yes. 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 So most of them do not pursue the speedy trial or push anybody to move forward because they're hoping basically the charges just fall flat. Yeah. And in Chicago, that's not, and especially in some of these neighborhoods, that's not unrealistic. No, especially when
0: you're heavily reliant on witnesses that are in many ways
1: going to be threatened or scared, right? Exactly. Exactly. Remember... To pursue a court case and to maintain your role as a witness, a testifying witness, you have to have time, you have to have emotional energy, you have to have money to travel to and from court. Mm -hmm. It's really easy for those things to fall by the wayside when you are trying to otherwise live a life and move on.
0: It's also really easy, I think, to give up on the witness end too, right? Like you could be very like committed to – kind of getting this you know being a part of the the justice system and making this happen and making this work and then I mean after five years of waiting 10 years of waiting like it's also very possible to just burn the fuck out on it and just be like this is not happening anyway so I need to just move on with my life there's only so long people are going to sit around and wait
1: and even if you want doesn't matter how much you want justice it's you know it becomes more burdensome Mm -hmm. I want to read a couple of quotes from Helena Johnson and Kimberly Coleman, who have both spoken about this specific issue. Helena Johnson was interviewed in 2020 by the Chicago Sun-Times while Pierce was still awaiting trial, so still two years before he actually pled guilty. Johnson stated that early on after his arrest, she would get regular updates and show up for all of the court hearings, but they just became repetitive, continuance after continuance after continuance, and Mm. it just became too painful for her to constantly be waiting on justice and constantly see the man who killed her daughter just be walked away. She would get updates by phone, another delay, another continuance, and she said, quote, it's been a long time. I wanted him to be convicted of what he did. I wanted justice. I wanted to be at peace. I am not at peace.
0: Mm.
1: In that same article in 2020, they interviewed Kimberly Coleman, who said, quote, I got a call every three or four months when prosecutors bring Pearson for discovery. It's irritating. I can't just keep going there and looking at him. I went through such a depression. I had to find some peace because I couldn't function. My yeah. justice is that he's still locked up and he's not able to do this to anyone else even though it's frustrating with this trial situation. Yeah. That was two years before he would ever finally face justice. Mm. Still for not even all of the crimes that he committed. Yeah. And I can close this out from uh, this wonderful little statement left by MissingIllinois.org in their coverage of Mariah Edwards' disappearance. They closed out their their description their piece on mariah edwards by saying quote thank you to the cook county state's attorney's office for failing again end quote
0: shots fired i appreciate
1: this fired
0: yeah i mean it's it's strong words to say that like
1: mariah was has been failed but i i just feel that way i feel like So many girls and women and and men and boys in Chicago and NBs have been failed yeah, in Chicago by the police. And there are so many, I'm sorry, even if we are to just take them at their word of 50% murder clearance, that's abysmal. That's terrible. There are other big cities, New York and LA, that are closer to 70%, 75%. And it doesn't even seem like they're communicating or they're working at all. And they're just letting people just sit in Cook County Jail. Just, well, cases just wither away and die.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just think there's a lot to be said for momentum, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a great driver. It's a great motivator. And yeah, like I could see just kind of whiling away your years you know kicking your feet up and waiting because like what do you care you're locked up anyway
1: it, well and that's exactly it these people are facing you know 20 to 40 years in prison they might as well kick their feet up and be like uh, ah, well if the witness backs out my case is out the window so I could be mm-hmm. right back on the street yeah so why push it why push it exactly exactly and I think that that's kind of what upsets me when i hear about how many people could be back on the street and how many like that 50 percent clearance rate is still pretty shitty when you just have people just sitting around waiting for a suspect or a witness to just back out which is literally all they're doing yeah for memories to get foggy for evidence to go missing which it does in chicago right yes exactly For what it's worth, while I was putting this together, I tried to find updates on Arthur Hilliard, Mm. who, if our listeners remember, was the suspect in the death of Diamond Turner Mm -hmm. and has been suspected in similar murders of women all over Chicago. Um, He is, according to records, still in Cook County Jail. There are no updates on investigations, charges, or a trial date. And based on what we're seeing here, there likely will not be any for quite a while. Mm. So if anybody is like, hey, whatever happened to that case in Chicago, it could be well over a decade before you get an update on it, and it will be yeah. hidden in the back pages of the Sun-Times. And that's the other thing, too, is like, you know, it not only is momentum
0: a real thing within the system, it's also a real thing within the public consciousness and public imagination.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like, I was, I was floored to, you know, I – I get these notifications because I'm on like the Chicago crime subreddit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a good one. It is a good one. Um, so that's why, you know, I see some of these things. And actually, I found this case because I was looking on missing person cases in general and I um, stumbled onto Mariah Edwards, which rabbit holed me. <laughs>
0: I love when that happens.
1: But. The average person on the street would not know that it was just two months ago that a serial killer was sentenced to, what, what, what did I say, 30 years in prison in Chicago? hmm And, yeah, we did find a serial killer in Chicago, and they could be back out on the street. And the average Chicagoan isn't going to know that. No, Yeah
0: that's t- it's terrifying honestly it's terrifying
1: so sorry that was kind of a uh depression Rob. thank you <laughs> i was gonna say a very
0: non-linear story a very looking forward uh... to driving through all these neighborhoods tomorrow
1: wave to harvey mm. i always <laughs> do
0: i always do no it was no that's I... where you have to go when you're avoiding the toll road <laughs>
1: I apologize if that was more of a non-traditional story for us, but mm. I like I said, I rabbit holed pretty hard on this one. I think I <laughs> I had half the research done within like a couple hours of just like furious reading. No, yeah. I mean that's the thing, is like there's just not that much.
0: It's pretty scant.
1: That's the thing. Like I was looking up, you know, court dates for Sonny Pierce and I was looking up, you know, jail records, and I was looking up I had to look up obituaries for these girls because I Mm -hmm. couldn't find accurate dates for when they disappeared or when they were discovered. And... That just... I hate when I have to do that because it just feels very bleak.
0: Yeah. It's like, why do I have to do this? Like, why is this where the information is?
1: And again, like, when I... These girls' families were so involved. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So it is not a lack of, like... And I, I, because I feel like a lot of times when you talk about cases like these, people will give you the excuse of like, oh, the families need to advocate and this, that, and the other. This was not for a lack of family involvement. This was not for a lack of family advocacy. No. And advocacy is also a a fairly (laughs)
0: full-time job and a privilege. And it's also like, it's also why we have people who are public servants, Right? Like, is that not the job of a DA's office? Is that not the job of law enforcement to Mm -hmm. advocate for victims?
1: Yeah. Who is advocating for the people in these communities when, you know, police get very overt evidence of a crime having been committed and don't act on it for 12 years? Mm -hmm. And to your question before about what about those other men he said that he assaulted Mariah in front of? There was no follow-up. As far as what I have found, there was no follow-up of, you need to name these men. There was no follow-up of anything regarding... That's disgusting. Yeah. That's disgusting. Because those men would
0: be... I mean, if you did pursue them, you're looking at some very serious charges for- You could very
1: possibly be looking at sex trafficking charges.
0: Yeah, accessory charges. You could be looking at negligent homicide charges. I mean, there would be any number of things, any number of avenues a prosecutor could go down mm-hmm. against any of those men.
1: Yeah. That's a, absolutely appalling. And those men are back out on the street. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't, not And they were never off the street. Exactly, yeah. I was going to say, I shouldn't say back on the street. They were never off the street. No, yeah. They could and, be And God neighbors. knows what
0: they learned, Right. Or what they're perpetuating
1: or what kind of other shit they're involved in. I just – I hate it because, like, the darkest place in my mind is, like, they learn don't leave living victims. hmm And they learned how
0: easy is this to get away with. I just witnessed and took part in a teenage girl being essentially raped to death. And I'm just here chilling now.
1: hmm hmm It's really upsetting reading those stories. It was really, like – and I – Believe me when I tell you, I tried to read everything I possibly could to be like, how are you just dropping this videotape? Why are you dropping this videotape? Why is Mm -hmm. this not in evidence? Why is this not being more firmly prosecuted?
0: Yeah. And I understand, like, being under-resourced goes from top to bottom, and it takes a lot to investigate and prosecute all of these different things, but... I Again, think like it's your responsibility to have that infrastructure to do that. I don't have a lot of empathy for law enforcement.
1: I think what upsets me if this is that if this happened in Wilmette which is also Cook County, this would mm-hmm. be a completely different story. Oh, without a doubt, this would without be a Ted doubt. Bundy level story. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Say the quiet part out loud, my friend. That's what that is. <laughs>
1: Not that I not not that again, I think that he deserves like all of this like attention in movies and all of that stuff, but the victims deserve that level of ferocity in prosecution. Mm-hmm.
0: And the women of that community deserve to know that men involved in these terrible, horrible things are not a threat to
1: them. Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. And that if they are ever victimized, that it will be gone after furiously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the hero in this story is our 17, is our 15-year-old victim.
0: Yeah, she really is.
1: She really is. So, well, I feel like that was a little bit of a shorty and a little bit of a depressy. But... Yeah, short and depressing. Short and depressing, <laughs> just, just like my uh, life. Just like me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
0: man. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough.
1: That was... It was very, very harsh reality check for us Chicagoans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I've I've been feeling very reality checked lately by true crime, to <laughs> yeah. be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Too close. I mean, I feel very haunted since I walked the trails of Delphi. You might be. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I'm very fucked up about it.
1: Now I want to go, I want to go walk that, just because I'm curious what you saw. I
0: am really looking forward to talking about it because I just need to get it all out, but I don't know when is the time for it.
1: Listeners, if you want to just have, if you just want us to info dump, just process an info dump, let us know. Yeah. We'll have a, we could have a live we could do our first live event. How cute would that be? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just... Mm. Anyway. So actually, next time... Um, it, it was a good segue. And even though you have not asked me what's happening next time, yet, I was the segue about is to, too good. So. Uh, so next time, we're going to be asking the question, what the hell is wrong with Carroll County, Indiana? Because we're going to be looking at a quadruple homicide... Uh, of four young girls in flora indiana which is about eight miles from delphi okay that is as yet unsolved so we're going to be looking at um the house fire and subsequent investigation that took the lives of kiana davis kiara phillips carrie l mcdonald and Keani welch uh, in november of 2016 which is just a few scant months before uh the killings in delphi so you know, for a very small county, very small population, uh, that is a lot of um, horrific crime against young girls, mm-hmm. and two extremely different crimes. There are some like internet conspiracies that they're connected. I do not believe that to be true, um, but we will again be talking about disparities and in, in coverage and investigation, mm-hmm. and we'll be looking at some of the, the key players that we'll be talking about. Uh, as far as investigation into the Flora fire, which is colloquially known as the Flora 4 when we talk about this case. Uh, We will be talking about a lot of the same players that were involved in the early days of Delphi as well.
1: Okay. Okay. Man! I I feel like I need to apologize to our listeners because we keep getting stuck in Indiana and Illinois. Well, it's terrible here. It's terrible here. Um, I am actively working on cases outside of this area, but terrible there's just weird shit
0: it's just so bad it's just so bad Mm -hmm. i mean i think i'll go to michigan afterward but yeah i'm in iowa afterward so okay well that's my next case is iowa that's far enough out okay (sighs) well friends come back uh next time and talk to us about the flora four um i'm definitely curious for your take as i get into it because it's a very unique case And very, um, all the facts are very tenuous. So I'll be curious for your take on it once we kind of put it all together.
1: I am here for it. I am here for it, guys. Um, I'm going to leave you just once again with my last little reminder. If you have any just additional information, potential victims, anything like that regarding Sunny Pierce or any other disappearances of young girls or anybody in cook county or blue island anywhere like that um call the cook county state's attorney's office (laughs) 773-674-5499 like i don't know i feel like this is now our residing thing of just like fucking get active say something put pressure Mm -hmm. on police because in a lot of these unsolved cases you have to yeah yeah it's
0: important that the powers that be know that people care about this stuff
1: Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's important.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, you know. So yeah, like I feel like our plug to just like engage with us is kind of like I mean, yeah, we like it. It's great. Um, <laughs> if you're gonna spend time engaging with anything, I'd rather you pressure um, various entities to get some shit done.
1: Engage so. with the systems of power. That's yes. that's my New Year's resolution.
0: Yeah, I like that one. That's a good New Year's resolution. <laughs> that's excellent. I've been struggling with mine.
1: Maybe that's mine, too. Well, my real one is uh, to not be afraid of disappointing people, but that's an internal oh, thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I guess, like, I don't tend to have issues with um, <laughs> with facing up to authority. My husband is often um, laughing at my lack of deference to authority. So, yeah, not really a problem I have. But, yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah fuck them up, boys. Fuck them like, up, boys. nuts.
1: Yep. And girls and NBs.
0: Yep, everybody, just fuck them up.
1: Everybody, all right, all right. Clumsy outro is done. <laughs> <laughs> Be nice, eat cheese. We love you. Happy New Year.
0: Exactly. Bye. Bye.